Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a special edition Hawks Insiders podcast. We are going to be joined in a couple of minutes by the one and only Seamus Mitchell, Incredibly excited to have a chat with Seamus, uh, someone whose star has absolutely shone this year after a rough couple of years, in, first couple of years in the system. Before we get to our chat with Seamus Mitchell, um, I am welcoming my co-host for this podcast, Mr. Andrew Weiss. Andrew, great to have you. Great to be here. Very excited. Probably not as excited as you. Uh, Better say I, I definitely have been enjoying uh, what Seamus has been able to do uh, through the first part of his career and the first half of this season. But um, yeah, I think you leading this podcast is definitely reward for what has been a few years of investment because you, you've uh, been on his bandwagon from the get-go. Yeah, and look, let's not make this about me. This is definitely about Seamus's, um, Seamus's rise, and it is a rise. But I think, I think what his story tells us, and we'll get into this with him a little bit, but is that there's there's patience required for guys, and um, and you know, you touched on that in your article on Denver Granger Barras, is that you know, player development is not linear. So just because Cam McKenzie comes into the team after his first preseason and plays, you know, most of the games that first year, or Connor McDonald can do the same, doesn't mean every single AFL player's journey looks like that. And um, and I think that that's really important to see these success stories that come from a fur- from a bit further back in their in their journey and their development and that it's not all smooth and easy um you know and we'll we'll talk to Seamus about some of the injuries that he had and some of the hurdles he had to overcome um but I, I like that to me as a fan those stories are what really get me going that that's what may, excites me because we always as Australians we root for the underdog right we we always do it's in our culture um and then when you tie in it's the underdog in the team that you support there's an there's an extra level of of um you know just you just want that guy to go so well don't you yeah and I think further to that I mean these guys these kids are getting drafted for a reason so when you take out the um the the physical growth and development out of it, actually they're drafted for a reason. And then when you look at top thirty picks, even more so. So you know when when a uh, Cam McKenzie comes in and all of a sudden you think he's looking better than a Josh Ward, it's not about comparing them to each other. It's same with Sheamus, who's a top thirty pick. They were picked there for a reason, and they're going to have different rates of development. And so it's okay to not expect everyone to be ready to play 20 games in their first season and continue that on. And, and especially when you throw in, you know, some of the injuries and, you know, getting delisted, that story then becomes uh, even more significant. So yeah, it's a credit to to Seamus that he's been able to get to where he is now. And uh, it's just been a wonderful journey to, to watch unfold and really looking forward to chatting with him and unpacking it a little bit more. And I think that's the perfect note to do it. So let's chat to Seamus now. 
And Seamus Mitchell joins us now. Welcome, Seamus, to the Hawks Insiders podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. No, it's our pleasure. Um, we are really excited. We actually requested from the club to have a chat to you because um, we be- we think that your story, Seamus, is uh, one that needs to be told uh, and one that's really, really exciting from a Hawks fan perspective. But we're really, really keen to get your thoughts and feelings on the whole thing. So uh, we'll start at the start and work our way to where we are now. Um, the Hawks drafted you with pick 29 in the 2020 national draft. Um, to some who followed the draft, that was a bit earlier than expected possibly um, in terms of your draft range. Um, had the Hawks shown any interest in you prior to that time? And were you surprised or were you caught off guard with where you went and when you went? Um, yeah, I didn't exactly know when or where I'd go. Um, I was probably, I thought it'd be a little bit later than what it was. Um, but um, with the Hawks, like I'd had, I'd had a fair few interviews with them Um the same as other teams as well. So I didn't really have an idea on where, where I might end up. So, um, but yeah, in the end, like in Melbourne, um, don't have to move a heap far away from home, but either way, like I'm from the country, so I was going to be moving anyway. So, um, but yeah, it's probably just easier for the family and stuff being, being down here in Melbourne. So it's, it's ended up pretty good. And you're, uh, you're, you're from Robin Vale. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah, yeah and played in the Bendigo pioneers in your underage years. Um, yeah. You were actually drafted uh, in the COVID interrupted year or just after a COVID interrupted year, right? Yeah. So that was a unique challenge facing your draft crop and yourself personally. Um, how did you go, I guess, navigating those lockdowns and the inability to play football in your draft year and those sorts of things? How was that for you to, uh, as a navigation sort of, you know, how'd you get through it? Uh, I mean, obviously it was pretty tough, like, I think the start of 2020, I moved down to Bendigo to just be closer to all the footy and stuff and um, go to school down there as well. So I think that was like maybe three months in um, down there and then everything sort of just got shut, locked down everything. Um, so um, I ended up going back to Robinvale because I wasn't as keen on school. I was probably, I was more there for the footy. So um, yeah, as soon as that sort of stuff got cancelled, it was pretty, pretty hard, um, especially your draft year as well, being a top ager and, um, yeah, trying to put your hand up for, for the draft and, and stuff. So, um, yeah, it was tough at times, um, but like, yeah, still being able to, because we're out in the country and stuff, still being able to train here and there at the over with a few mates and stuff, um, was, was still all right. So, um, but yeah, obviously it was a tough year for a lot of people. Seamus, when you came to the club, uh, from memory, you came in a moon boot um, and and probably indicative of your first couple of years where you seemed to struggle, struggle to stay away from injury. How frustrating were the first couple of seasons and, and what did they teach you? Um, yeah, they were very frustrating. I think, yeah, came in a moon boot, had a syndesmosis and medial ligament tear. Um, in my knee as well so not a great start but sort of gave me a little bit of confidence still being drafted while injured which was which was all right but um, yeah just couldn't really get going I think um, sort of got over the um, syndesmosis and stuff and then like something else would happen um, just one thing after the other the other for a bit um, and then yeah the got an all right pre-season in coming into my second year um, playing games at the start of the year, but then um, found another stress fracture in my right ankle so um, and, and tibia joint. So 
Um, then again, I was ruled out for the year. So that was two years pretty much done, went pretty quickly. Um, hadn't really done much. Um, How did then, those injuries happen? Um, well, this one was, it, I'd been flagging it, like just thinking um, there was something there. I could feel it in um, my foot. So it's happened over time, um, this one. Um, but we weren't all too worried about it. So we just kept playing with it for a bit. Like I'd, I'd notice it. Um, and then I actually hurt my uh, sternum. My, I bursted the sternocavicular joint in my um, sternum. So when that happened, we were like, oh, all right, stuff it. We'll just get the, the ankle checked. Um, and then, yeah, they found a, a nice stress fracture in there. So, um, now, what about the, uh, what about the one you came to the club in though? Cause it, I, I'm, if I remember correctly and, and maybe I, maybe my memory's faded, but there was a bit of a story around the, the ankle and the knee, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that was, I was actually at local footy back home. It was about maybe just over a week before the draft. Um, and like, we were just sort of coming out of the lockdowns and stuff where you could start training and stuff with other people again in larger groups. So I tried to get involved there and, um, yeah, got, got tackled and landed awkwardly, twisted up my ankle and stuff. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty stressful sort of that week leading up to the draft having to, I think there was, yeah, one day we had to drive down to Bendigo for scans and then drive back and then watch the draft. So it was a, about eight hours of traveling. Um, and then straight into the draft when I got home. So, yeah, a bit of a whirlwind that, that sort of, that week. How, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just trying to work out how, how's the emotions there, like the week before the draft and, and something like that happens. Do you sit there and think, have I just cost myself a chance of being drafted? Is that where your head goes? Oh, yeah, straight away for me, like I hobbled off and then like sort of sat down in the changing and I was like just tearing up and stuff and, and everything so it was all pretty hard like um yeah so close to the draft was probably the thing where I was just like nervous and I didn't know how much damage I would have done um to myself as well with the injury um so yeah it all happened pretty quickly and stuff but yeah I got got pretty lucky in the end and um yeah sort of worked out all right I guess and then last one on that because we don't need to harp on it but do clubs that are interested or like, is there any, do you have to disclose that? Because obviously you've done a fair bit of um, uh, like clubs have done a fair bit of background work in the lead into the draft. Yeah. Uh, if someone's getting injured in the week leading up, it's probably something they're going to need to know or want to know the significance of. Do, is there a process there or were you contacted at all? Did word get around anything like that? Yeah. Um, I don't actually remember it completely, but um, yeah, I remember, I think my manager, um, he sort of had to get onto a few people and just notify them that I'd been injured. We didn't actually know the severity of it all um, at that stage. So I was just sort of flagging it, I guess. Um, and then, yeah, for, eventually found out on the scans, it was syndesmosis and whatever, but um, I guess it wasn't um, terrible. I didn't need surgery or anything. Um, it was probably still a couple months, but, um yeah yeah I don't I don't really know too much to be honest but um yeah that's about it now we just talked about your first couple of years in the system and they were I mean you know for lack of a better term they were pretty rough right on you you were actually uh, delisted at the end of 2022 so the end of last year with the promise you'd be redrafted as a rookie in the rookie draft did you feel like 
like how did how did what was your reaction there did you feel like my dream is gone or was that the kick up the backside you needed or you know what where did you go mentally when you were told you were being delisted um yeah well it was a bit of both like because when the injury on my the stress fracture actually happened I was told like um yeah we get if we're getting the surgery done you're out for the year so it was like do I look at this like maybe I'm going to get another chance or I don't really know like could I be could I be done so um I didn't really know how to look at it um I tried to stay as positive as I could even though it was pretty hard um not knowing where I could end up or um whatever um so yeah I ended up having to wait pretty much from whenever I got injured that was about June I think I got the op done and then waiting pretty much up until November to get recontracted again so it was a pretty big wait um a lot of stress for that period of time um but yeah like yeah I didn't really know it was it was a tough one to sort of manage now debut round five against the Giants at Norwood I happened to be there which was uh fortunate enough uh but so talk us through the week leading in um the the feeling at the at the ground uh your day and and I guess the weekend given how how different an experience it was for for most people at the club let alone you for your debut um yeah obviously it was pretty special having to wait a long time for it to happen um I was sort of getting told that I could be a chance during the week so um yeah I didn't want to get too up and about or anything and um sort of just stay as calm as I could about it um but yeah like the lead up was all um, I think I found out on like a Thursday. So it's really you only have two days to sort of um, get everything organized, get your family and friends and everything over there and um, and then sort of get into the mode where you got to play footy as well. So, um, yeah, it was all pretty hectic. Um, but, but it was good for like um, family and friends as Adelaide's probably only four hours um, away from home for us. So it's actually even closer than Melbourne. So I think, yeah, there was a few that were keen to come over and stuff. So... Well, a few I had 52 tickets so probably more than a few but um yeah so it was all it was all pretty special and and then there to get out there and we saw yeah it fell short but um yeah it was a real good experience and so you mentioned um just one more on that you, you mentioned that you had a bit of an inkling because there were some discussions through the week who who is that having those discussions with you? Is that, is that Sam? Um, is that uh, coming from, from Cade Simpson as the, as the coach of the defense is, is that someone else? Who, who is it that's having those discussions to say you're a um, chance here? Yeah, probably more that week was probably Andy Collins. He's, so he's my mentor coach as well at the club. So um, like he was, yeah, giving me a lot of confidence as well. Um, just off the, the last few sort of games I was playing, um, just start telling me that I'm getting closer and stuff. And a few, yeah, obviously a few other coaches telling me I'm getting closer, but obviously not telling me, oh, you're going to be in or not, but sort of just hinting it a little bit that, yeah, you're getting closer and that, yeah, could an opportunity could come your way. Um, if you keep yeah getting things right, working hard, and um, eventually something might go your way. So sort of worked out. Now, Seamus, you don't know this, and this is a bit of self-promotion, but um, I 
followed you fairly closely in your draft year uh, as much as you could in COVID. And I had quite large, quite big raps on you coming into the club. And after the first couple of years um, was getting a little bit of heat for sticking with you. But since your debut, you have actually, up until you missed last weekend, you played every game since your debut and really started to cement your place in the, in the 22. Um, average 17.6 disposals and five marks. And it really feels like with a period of uh, really rocky sort of start to your AFL career with your first couple of years, that your transition into the AFL side has been really, really smooth. How have you found it? And did you always have that belief in your own abilities, like I did in yours, um, that you'd be able to make it at the AFL level? Um, yeah, to be honest, I, I think after like all the injuries and stuff, I, I lost a lot of self-belief and stuff. Um, and that's something I sort of spoke about with Mitch, um, Colo and Simo, like, um, I'd lost a bit of self-belief coming into this season, um, not knowing how it would go. Um, and like, I think he said it before, like, it's, it's weird how things can change pretty quickly. Um, I probably, I wouldn't, even in February, I wouldn't have thought I'd be close to playing AFL this year still. Um, so I sort of still had a bit of an interrupted preseason, but, um, like eventually started playing practice matches and stuff and doing all right. Um, and then just sort of slowly building from there. Um, and then, yeah, again, like the coaches just um, kept instilling confidence in me and telling me that I can make a, be a good player at this level for this club. Um, so like that made it a lot easier um, going in and just keep on trying to play to your strengths and stuff. And um, that's the reason what you sort of got picked for. So um, yeah, sort of, sort of how it worked out. And so what about, I mean, there are a lot of similarities from a, from a fan point of view in terms of your pathway with that of Dylan Moore in terms of uh, some early struggles, the delisting, a relisting, and then, uh, and then breaking out. Did, did you have any interactions with him or spoken to him based on the fact that it's a very similar sort of pathway? Um, not one-on-one. -on -one. He actually sat down. I think he spoke to a, a lot of us young boys. Um, I can't really remember if it was like my first or second year. Um, he sort of sat down and just sort of talked about his journey as well. And how um, like a couple games at the end of, I think, one year. And then um, like he even got a Brownlow vote or something in one of those games. And then um, so he played like end of the, the season sort of got going and like um and then that's sort of where it all started from I think um got another opportunity and then um yeah obviously he's become a pretty elite player in the AFL so yeah it's pretty cool something to obviously to aspire to as well for your own journey um I'm tipping that at the start of 2023 you would have sort of had some aims or some goals for your career and for your season um, firstly, what were they? And secondly, have they, and if they have, how have they changed since you've sort of made your debut and kind of cemented your spot in that side? Um, I probably had a lot of more smaller ones, I guess, for me, it was just trying to get my body right and be more durable really. Um, and then I think me and Kyle sort of spoke about, um, trying to get me down for at least five games for the year. And I've already sort of passed that. So um from now on it's really just being consistent and getting better and um I guess holding my spot and um yeah trying to make the most of, of this year and then sort of see what happens so um yeah I was, it was more a lot of small ones for me um 
sort of yeah coming where I was with all my injuries and stuff. So a little bit different. And then with those goals around injuries, how's someone like Peter Birch, who's obviously come to the club this year, um, seems to have uh, been a massive addition from a backroom staff point of view. How has his involvement coincided with you getting an injury-free pre-season? Um, has, has he had anything to do in terms of programs, in terms of um, managing your loads and, and getting you through to this point of this season injury free yeah so yeah he was yeah massive also I think for a lot of boys um him putting the trust in a lot of us to let him know how we feel as well and um sort of get a read on all of our bodies as well we don't want to overdo things or underdo things and just sort of get it right I guess um and then for me um always harping on to me like about um, my speed numbers and stuff, make sure I'm hitting all those and what to look at on the GPS and stuff. So, um, but yeah, like, um, like big focus on, on our speed as a group and um, I guess trying to run out late in games as well and um, yeah, not fall over. Now, Seamus, you are a player that, I mean, the reason why um, I reckon Hawthorne hang on to you. And the reason why I was still really keen on you was because you have real AFL attributes in your pace and your skills and your kicking. My question to you is in two parts. Firstly, um, did you always have the confidence in those traits at an AFL level? And secondly, do you look to then go and make yourself a better player by improving on them further or by adding other strings to your bow? Um, I guess earlier, I guess early on for me, um, obviously, yeah, my speed and stuff, I think I was sort of more of a focusing on defense instead of focusing on my offense. So I think the last sort of four, four rounds I've sort of, um, found a bit more of a balance on, on defense and then, um, that like getting it going for us on offense as well. So, um, yeah, I've had to work on that, just sorting that out. Um, defend when I have to, like get get that job done, and then from then looking to help us score in offense. Um, just taking the game on, going for runs with bounces and stuff. Um, and then sorry, sorry, what was your other part of the question? Um, so I guess what's the focus now is like you know you are an attacking um, half back back pocket whatever you know you, I mean you came to the club as a small forward right a small forward slash midfielder now you're playing you know in the back half and generating run and offense from that back half what's the what's the aim for you now in terms of personal development as a player is it to just continue to grow those strengths or is it to add the next sort of layer of your game to your game. Um, Definitely still look to keep working on those strengths and just making them elite weapons. Um, that's what we get told all the time as well. Um, and then um, slowly start to build other things that um, I'm still learning a lot on like positioning and stuff, um, body work, um, getting those things right. Um, but yeah, just still working really hard on what I'm good at. And um, that's sort of why I'm in the team. So just bringing those weapons all the time. And so then with that, in terms of defensive structure, and because you fitted pretty seamlessly into our back line, which really, really struggled through um, the first part of or the first half of the first half of this season. <laughs> how has um, how has Cade Simpson 
been and and have you had much to do with him in terms of fitting into that defensive structure? Um, yeah, so like I said before, he's one that sort of um, gave me a lot of confidence and puts a yeah a lot of confidence in me just to play to my strengths and bring those weapons every week. Um, like, and he's yeah said I've been he's been happy with me defensively getting that job done, but um, yeah always looking to help us out on offense as well. So um, and I think I've done that better in the last last sort of month as well, just um, with the offense. So um, yeah. Now, Seamus, everybody um, wants to know about the other S Mitchell at the football club, um, the the coach. How is um, Sam's coaching style? Um, from the outside looking in, he seems very relatable, you know, a bit of a joker, probably very hard when he needs to be as well. Um, but it feels like, you know, all the players can kind of relate to him. He's a younger age um, senior coach, that sort of thing. How is it? for him and how is it sorry how is it for you in relating to Sam as a coach and then how do you think it is in terms of finding that balance between sort of friend and boss um yeah so I think he has a really good balance of when to be serious and um give us a clip if we need to um and then at times when to have fun and everything as well and enjoy enjoy our footy um but like for me I think obviously starting down at Box Hill and he was the coach there as well um and then, yeah, obviously getting the job at the AFL. Um, that's been, yeah, sort of a lot easier transition um, game plan-wise. Like, we're obviously changing things and um, putting yeah, new things into the game plan. But it was a, just a bit easier transition knowing um, that we played like that at VFL level as well. And then, um, yeah, sort of fitted in nicely when, when I've gone to AFL level now. Speaking of coaches and the transition between sort of Box Hill and Hawthorne, uh, the Hawks have brought in Zane Littlejohn um, this year to Box Hill. Um, from the snippets we've seen and the people we've spoken to, we've been incredibly impressed with Zane. He's also a developmental coach for the young players at the Hawks. How, how has he been and how have you seen, um, I guess, his impact on the younger group and also the guys that are sort of coming through Box Hill aiming for that AFL gig? Yeah, no, he's, yeah, really good, really good. He's a real positive person, really, really out there person, real loud. So sometimes when everyone's a bit flat, he'll get everyone going, give a little rev up and stuff, just start screaming and yelling and whatever. Um, but, like, yeah, he's obviously got a lot of knowledge coming coming down from Brisbane as well. So, um, yeah, he's been he's been huge. Obviously, having the, the VFL coach be at the club all the time as well is massive where we haven't had that before, so... Um, yeah, he's been yeah huge for a lot of people. Probably not me in the last sort of um, six, seven weeks where I've been playing AFL, but like the start of the year when I was down there, he was yeah really massive for a lot of a lot of the boys. Now maybe we we can tone it down a little bit with some less intense questions. Uh, currently wearing the number forty. <laughs> let, let let's get real. Now that you're uh, clearly let, now that you're clearly. Uh, an ongoing member of the senior team uh, and have cemented your spot. You might disagree with that, but <laughs> clearly part of our, our starting 22. What would, uh, you obviously don't know what that would look like next year. What would your dream number be for next year? Oh, dream number. Well, I grew up always wearing number one, um, but yeah, Harry's obviously got that. So I can't, can't be taking that. Um, 
yeah, I grew up playing in the number one. My favourite player was Leon Davis at Collingwood. He wore the number one. So um, that'd be the, the dream number. Um, but, like, um, if I don't ever get that, I, I don't know if I'll ever sort of want to change where I started. I, I don't really know how to, how to feel or look at it yet. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Just just wait until, like, uh, you know, an absolute legendary hawk taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, Seamus, I want you to wear my number. You'll probably be like, all right, cool. No, no it could be, could, be, could be a bit different. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you missed last week, uh, your first weekend off um, after making your debut. Um, you know, how does, how does uh, like, dropping out of the side for, you know, sickness, illness, injury, whatever, um, how does that impact you? And, you know, especially for somebody who's worked so hard to get into the team, is there a sense of, like, drive, I've just got to get back there, I've just got to get back there? How do you, how do you respond to, you know, having that week off for something that's out of your control? Yeah, well, um, I knew I hadn't been dropped for performance, so that was probably a better thing. It was, yeah, I had COVID, so I couldn't really do too much about it. Um, I was I was going to try play, but again, if I played bad, no one's really going to care how you feel. So um, that could result me in getting dropped this Good week decision. or something. Good so, decision. Um, and I think it was probably more on the medical team as well. They probably didn't want me to spread it around and get other people sick. And then we might not even have a side next week. So, um, yeah, like, but obviously there's a drive to get back straight into the team. So, um, yeah. Um, what's the, what's the funniest pronunciation you've ever heard of your name? What, and what's the most common, the, uh, <laughs> The most common, and pro- I don't really know if there's too many funny ones, but I get Seamus all the time. Constantly Seamus, Seamus, Seamus. And did the boys, uh, did the boys have a bit of a play with that? Well, a couple of the younger boys give me a go, but uh, yeah, oh, they 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 can't be doing that now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Look, there's there's a couple of Irish lads in there. They'd know how to pronounce it pretty well, anyway, hey? Yeah, Seamus. Sh- they got it down pat. Yeah. I've, I've seen a few stories being put out that are Irish and stuff, so I don't know where that's sort of come from as well. Now, um, looking forward, and we're, we're going to wrap it up soon, um, Seamus. So we really appreciate your time. Looking towards the sort of the back end of 2023, what are uh, um, what? How do you see the season playing out, or what are your your goals for the club and yourself personally in the rest? You know, from now until the end of the season, have you got anything that you think we want to win three games, or we want to, um, you know, we want to do this, or you know, what whatever that might look like? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Um, yeah, I think for us is just to continue to develop, to develop, and um, I think hopefully get like some wins and stuff and. Um, but like just keep building the connection between us all and then um, yeah hopefully everything sort of starts to go our way with the the way we're um, building as a team a younger team Um, and then yeah we'll see how we sort of go into um, next season I I don't think a lot of people had much for us this year um, thinking we were going to be very competitive at all so um, I think we've had some really good games this year obviously some some really poor ones but um, yeah, just continuing to look to develop as a as a team and um, keep connecting as well. Yeah, awesome. And look, um, the transition or the segue was beautiful because my last question was going to be around the younger group, and um, you know, it is a very young team. It's the youngest 
team in terms of age and the youngest team in terms of playing experience in the AFL this year. How is that as a, you know, for lack of a better term, as a workplace to work in, to come in every day, is it, um, is it good that you've got this group of guys all around the same age, sparing a couple? Um, and, you know, how does that feel? And, you know, who are the guys that you, you, you really click with and that you're, um, you're sort of spend your time with when you're around the club? Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, it's obviously yeah, a very young team. Um, but like, it's really good to still have those older boys as well. And, um, like learn a lot of them. Like, um, I think Luke Bruce is probably our oldest now and last premiership player. Um, so like, yeah, those players, they're, they're still massive to have at the club and just, um, help lead a lot of the younger boys as well and learn off them. Um, but then as like having a younger group is, um, continuing to just fast track our development as quick as possible and sort of get to um, where we want to be as, as soon as we can. So, um, yeah, I think it's looking looking really good um, as a team and, yeah, hopefully um, the next year or two we're, we're up there playing finals again. Absolutely. Uh, we will leave it on that note because I think you couldn't have finished it on a better note if you, if you tried. So Seamus, thank you so much for joining the Hawks Insiders podcast. Uh, we wish you all the best. We are now claiming you as one of our own and uh, yeah, we wish you all the best for the rest of the year. And hopefully tonight we see you back in the Hawthorne team. Awesome. Thanks for having me guys. Thanks so much, mate. And that was Seamus Mitchell. We are incredibly excited to be able to talk to Seamus and the insights that he gave in his journey and um, some of the things he had to get through to get where he is now. And, you know, I think it speaks of the resilience of a young guy who's only, you know, 20, 21 years old to be able to get through what he did and, um, you know, come, come out to where he is. I think, couple of the takeaways from me, we see is watch out Harry Morrison because uh, Seamus wants your number one jersey. Um, and, you know, hopefully one day he's the most famous S Mitchell at the club. Your thoughts? Oh, um, we didn't actually tell him that there's only been one number one in decades at the club. So, you know, even the old fan number, he's hey? up against it. Uh, yeah, one is the fan. Um, but no, look, I loved... Uh, he seems to have a very, very measured head on his shoulders, and you know some of the some of the um, more fun questions, I guess. Like he he seemed to be happy to have a play with, and you know I think you get the feeling that he's grateful to still be around and be doing what he's doing, and he's just enjoying himself and enjoying being injury free. So um, yeah, I think the other takeaway I get is listening to him talk about the people around him that are supporting him. And we preempted it, preempted that in some of our questions, but you know, the way he expanded, especially on Andy Collins and, um, and then obviously talking about, um, talking about how he's come through Box Hill and, and talking about Sammy and, and talking about Kate Simpson and um, Peter Burge, you just feel like it, not just for him, but our club's in really good, good hands with that group. And yeah, it's, it's just wonderful to be able to hear his story. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we're, we're obviously navigating some rocky waters at the moment with some of the off-field issues that the club are dealing with. But that football department seems like it's really stable at the moment. And um, like you said, that the that our football players are in good hands with the, with the staff that are around them. So that's really exciting. That's going to be it for this podcast. Thank you so much to everybody who listened. Thank you to those who subscribe. If you are not yet a subscriber and you would like to, please head to our Substack. You can do so for $5 a month or $50 a year. Um, we have plenty of uh, free content, but plenty of paid content as well to really reward our paid subscribers. So if you want to get that unlock, that content unlocked, jump on there and, and um, grab a subscription. We would be eternally grateful. We see might even write your hand note um, if you ask really nicely. He's got beautiful handwriting, just like his dulcet tones. So thank you very much to everybody who listened. Thank you to Seamus Mitchell for jumping on and uh, spending some time with, us, time with us, if I can speak. And thank you so much to my co-host, Andrew Weiss, who is a jet all the time. Uh, thanks everybody. And we'll chat to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to Hawks Insiders. Head to our Substack for more quality analysis, special features, news, interviews, and so much more.